Well, hello, folks. It is midweek, and that means we are literally between two Sundays. And my friend Mark Beresford um, is sitting there, and I'm sitting here, and you're sitting where you are listening or watching. So let's all sit together. Yeah. Kind of nice. What a fantastic idea, Mark. Sit and chat. Uh, look, I've got to yeah. say, before we dive in, um, folks, we started on Easter uh, Sunday and then we had the second Sunday of Easter last week. And these readings are really, really rich. And so a bit of a public service announcement. We're probably not even going to scratch too far below the surface that given the sort of conversations that Mark and I are prone to have on things like this, I would imagine that if we started talking about them now, we'd be going a few hours later thinking we have to finish this in the morning, just on single readings alone, let alone a whole set of readings that are there. So um, probably want to reiterate that if you have the chance either through messages and comments at YouTube or the um, Barefoot Follower blog or um, over at the uh, Instagram account, tell us what you're thinking. Tell us where you're going with this because there's so much richness in these things. And um, yeah, just before we hit the record button, Mark was saying, I, I wish that this week's reading was a bit shorter, the gospel reading particularly. And um, as Mark <laughs> said, when he preempted that to me, I never, uh, it's not like him to say that. I never ever think that. No, so, uh, but it's just, there's so much in them. And, and rightly so, when you start to dig around, you find some real beautiful gems. So last week, we had the second Sunday of Easter and um, the, the readings from last week, we pulled apart. And if you didn't catch the show, uh, it's one of the shows that I actually went back to have another listen to um, and had some people asking oh, about impressed. it on Twitter, interestingly enough. Um, so uh, that, that was pretty cool. Um, but is there anything, Mark, from the readings that we did last week that, have stuck with you and you've lived them or have lived with you as you come out of Sunday into this week. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if we discussed this last week. I don't think we actually did, but um, I was reading again through the John 20 passage that we, the gospel reading from last week and was really struck by um, Jesus, first of all, um, you know, his offering of peace after the world has done his worst, um, he offers his peace rather than revenge. So I've, I'm struck by that. Um, but then this, this remarkable Jesus breathing on the disciples and saying, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And, and you know, I think I've always heard this as, you know, um, this dangerous power that we can um, we can the, retain the sins of others against them. But but I I, I found myself thinking actually this is the retaining of this of the the grudge. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. It's the retaining of the grudge uh, against the things that have been done wrong to us. And this is precisely what Jesus is not doing. 
as he comes and offers peace. Peace to the world that has done its worst to him and not coming back in revenge. And, and, and I, for the first time, I think I've heard this statement around forgiveness as an invitation to do the same. As we go through an unloving world to remain people who love. Even though Jesus' story tells us this is dangerous, but also the very path of God that leads to life. Um, so I, I think I, I think I, I I I saw my own freedom, I think, in the capacity to forgive others, rather than I saw um, other people being bound by my unforgiveness. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I saw my, myself being free and free to live this, this path of Jesus from life through death to resurrection. I mean, it's a, a little bit controversial to say this, but it is possible to forgive someone and not say anything to them. And I think that's one of the important things that people who are particularly coming out of toxic type of relationships or yes. yeah. uh, things where they say, I can't confront that person mm. well you don't have to um the yeah. thing is to let go um yes of, yes of that thing that you're holding uh yeah that's incredibly powerful um yeah and, yeah and worth another episode <laughs> as we were saying <laughs> earlier um to throw that in uh yeah i, I think the thing that so, really so sorry often, go on so often just so often we fool ourselves into believing Forgiveness is all about the freedom of the other, forgetting that it's actually fundamentally about our own freedom to love. Yes. And and what a, what a shame we have got that back the front so for such a long time, really. Um, maybe it takes time for us to see that, because we we you know holding the grudge kind of convinces us, us that we're hurting the other. And we fail to see how much it hurts us. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in fact, that, that peace be with you is what stuck with me. Mm. That, that idea that here is Jesus with all these people who let him down, betrayed him, ran away, um, denied knowing who he was, hid, um, yeah. stayed undercover as best they could. Um, and the first thing he does when he walks in the door is not pick up a chair and start smashing people over the head. He says, which is what I would do, <laughs> he says, peace be with you. And like yeah. I think you mentioned last week, not at all probably what they were expecting um, to come probably through the wall. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then this, and what's really cruel is that when he comes back, he says exactly the same thing again a week later, walks through the door, Stood among them, stands among them and says, peace be with you, just before he has that connection with Thomas. Um, mm. So, so that, that's really stuck. Not just, um, is, am I carrying peace, but am I a bearer of peace towards others? Uh, and yeah. kind of like the forgiveness, it's all very well and good to you know, forgive the other, but have you allowed that forgiveness to allow you to release you and ditto with the peace. It's one thing to say, oh, yeah, I need peace, but are you a bearer of that peace? Is, does it go beyond just you? Um, mm. Do you carry it through walls? 
yeah. that's that's stuck with me too man that whole resurrection body thing i, I realized <laughs> um the wounds are there no pain um yeah that was that, that was a good conversation too yeah we are smacking now into the third sunday of easter it's coming up thick and fast um and the readings don't get any less deep and again mm. that probably is true of all scripture so the readings for next week uh of course just a reminder that all through the easter season the acts or readings from the book of acts replace the hebrew scriptures uh so we have acts chapter 9 verses 1 to 6 and then verses 7 to 20 is an option uh, we have Psalm 30, we have Revelation 5, verses 11 to 14, and then John 21, verses 1 to 19. Um, and again, the readings are so, so rich. Um, is there anything that you want to kick off with, my friend, in this richness? Pick one. <laughs> As if, yeah. <laughs> My goodness. Um, well, perhaps if we um, continue with the theme we've already started with, this um, this Jesus offering peace. Um, well, we can see this so clearly in in our John reading, where um, Jesus three times. Um, asks for affirmation of Peter's love, um, which many have observed clearly sort of parallels um, Peter's three denials. Um, and then this, this entrusting um, a call or a mission um, to Peter at the same time, um, it, it really is a, a very radical forgiveness, isn't it? Um, the kind of forgiveness that goes and entrusts the very people Jesus' life, death and resurrection are forming um, into the hands of Peter. Um, so I was, was really struck by that. And then there's this really extraordinary forgiveness in the story of, um, of Saul yes. um, and his encounter, his encounter with the risen Christ on the road to Damascus. <laughs> Again, a, a forgiveness and offering of peace that, that, that is slightly mind-blowing. Here is a guy who's persecuting the church and, and the risen Christ invites him into not only forgiveness and grace, but also call. Um, invited into you know an extraordinary ministry of the person of Jesus um, once again we see this forgiveness this peace that's offered um, being much more than just you know everything's okay but actually this investment in people this um, this deep calling um, over people's lives which I, I guess, you know, just continues to happen today, doesn't it? There's, yeah. there's often people who read these stories and, and know, know something very deep of not only forgiveness and grace, but also responsibility towards the world God loves. Yeah. It, it, the, the, 
the Saul story is interesting. Uh, what struck me about it was that, um, uh, and of course, I mean, what's, what, I, what I came back to as I was reflecting on this and, and the same went for last week's readings, how many times have you and I and others like us read this stuff, studied this stuff, researched this stuff, dug through this stuff, and yet we can spend some time reflecting on it and still draw out something new, something fresh, that new gem as we've turned it around, that, uh, it's, which is quite beautiful. But what I really hadn't noticed before is that, uh, and obviously this comes through the lens, of course, of having just read the John 21 reading as well, is that um, yes. uh, Jesus appears to Saul on the road, but then Jesus appears to Ananias. And what's interesting about that is he says to Ananias, get up and go on the street called Straight, the house of Judas, look for a man named Saul, asks us. Uh, he is at the moment is praying, seen a vision, um, go lay your hands in, not receive your sight again. And Ananias immediately bucks up and goes, we can't do that. We can't have him. And it's really interesting that here in this story, which is maybe a decade or so into the book of Acts, there's still an exclusionary kind of vibe. Now, I get that, you know, Ananias was a bit fearful, um, but even then this is um, the Lord appearing to Ananias, and yet Ananias still goes, well, hang on a sec, Lord, we can't have him. He's been holding people's jackets and organising insurrections against us all. What, what the heck? You know, organising for stonings yeah. and things. And yet Jesus is saying to him, no, yeah. he's in. I want him. And it's really interesting that uh, something that you said last week rung home with this, and that is it's been done. What happened at the cross has been done for all, and all that is required is faith to see. Ha. And this is exactly what's happening yeah. here, um, which is incredibly powerful. Yeah. But it, it just dawned on me, though, that it was Ananias who was charged with helping Saul to see. But he was the one who was going, no, yes. I don't want to have anything to do with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. so when I think and about how, how Sorry, go. I was just thinking, how much does Saul need an ally <laughs> if he's it's to time, find yeah. his way into the Yeah. Um, we've talked, oh, sorry, I spoke before about, um, you know, the sense of call in our John 21 reading and the sense of call for Saul in this reading as well. I wonder if we could say exactly the same for Ananias here. Um, here is an here is a third call in these just in these two passages, and it may be it may be kind of coming from the opposite, um, well seemingly opposite sort of sides of Jesus. Ananias already knows, trusts, is learning to trust Jesus. Saul is actually opposed to this, and yet and yet both of them um, are forgiven empowered, called to make their contribution. There's something really, really special about this, actually. And, and as much as Saul needs to repent, learn, um, be stretched to embrace this relationship with God that he's being offered, 
<clears throat> the same is actually happening for Saul. Uh, sorry, yeah. for um, for Ananias. He is he is having to be stretched. You, you, you mean your forgiveness is is big enough? Is big enough to even embrace Saul? Um, you know, I haven't imagined the forgiveness of God being that big as yet. But if you say, "I'll go and see if your grace is that big," um, yeah, though it might cost him. There's. I, I think there's there's almost evidence of Ananias knowing enough about the grace of God to be inquisitive and open to it being this big. Yeah, and I, I really I really like that thought actually. So Ananias is growing here and being called to trust God even further than he has already. Yeah. Yeah, oh, which like is that. which is always that's always our story, isn't it, Mark? That yeah. um, God calls us to something we might, um, you know, there might be resistance, questions. We go and we, um, well, hopefully, we embrace that call in in trust of God, and we find out that God is trustworthy, and then God turns around and asks more of us. Yeah, which which is interesting. Mm. That that story back on back to Peter and and Jesus for a second. Um, when they're having this conversation, we don't actually pick it up in the English because the nuances are in the Greek. But uh, yes. the first time that Jesus says to Simon Peter, "Do you love me?" He says, "Do you agapeo me?" And Peter says, yes, Lord, I feel you. So Peter's responding yeah. with a different kind of love than what Jesus is asking for. And the same thing happens mm. the second time. But the third time, Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you feel me? And that's when Peter says, uh, and it says, first of all, Peter felt hurt because he said to him for the third time, do you feel yeah. me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know yeah. everything, you know that I do. Uh, I find that really interesting, really intriguing. And I do wonder um, why it was he felt hurt that Jesus had kind of gone, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it to your level just so we can make that connection. And <laughs> Peter, Peter's hurt by it for some reason, yeah. um, which I, I find really but intriguing. But isn't it, isn't it so... Isn't it so staggeringly gracious of Jesus? Yeah. Um, I, I'm asking. I'm asking everything of you. I'm asking for a sacrificial love. And and Peter keeps answering with this friendship love type of response. And then Jesus pretty much says, "All right, let's start from here." Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. This is where we're going to start. Which 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 is grace, isn't it? It is that, is that is grace. And, and I wonder if Peter's hurt by it because suddenly Peter feels like, well, hang on. I, I You know, typical Peter, I'm greater than that. But Jesus <laughs> recognised you're not there yet, but that's okay. Yeah. Let's make this yeah. a start point. Yeah. Which is interesting yeah. because, as I mentioned to you quite often, I mean, John's my favourite gospel now, has been for about a year and a bit. Um, 
But uh, on top of that, this is probably my favourite story in the whole of John's Gospel. Um, yeah. We have this these despondent disciples who don't know what to do, and Peter just goes, "Let's go fishing," because it's all he knows to do. That's what he does. Um, he's a fisherman, right? So he's what do you do when you don't know what else to do? Doing what he yeah, I'm like, I'm going to do something. What do I know how to do? I know how to fish. I'll go fishing. And some of the disciples go, oh, we'll go with you too. So they go out on the boat. And then there's this encounter. And I, I, I remember reading this many years ago. It would be, what, 2000, 2004, I think it was, when I... Oh, wow. This, this sort of emerged for me, 2003 or 2004. And I'm reading the story, and I can see that um, Jesus says you know have you caught nothing they go they were all night haven't caught anything um uh and you know jesus says if you caught the fish they say no so he says cast the net onto the other side of the boat and you'll find some now that's exactly the same conversation that jesus and peter had on their very first encounter uh, jesus and um uh, sorry simon and andrew and james and john had the boats out and they'd caught nothing, and Jesus had taught from the boat and then said, what have you caught? And I said, still nothing. And they said, put the nets on the other side. Um, and this is exactly the same thing. But even then, Peter can't see it. He doesn't recognise who Jesus is. Um, and so they put the nets on the other side, and they have an incredible haul of fish, and um, they pull them in. And uh, as they're pulling them in, it's that, that moment Peter recognises it's the Lord. And mm -hmm. I imagine that as they're pulling in these fish, Peter going, where have I seen this scene before? I'm having a bit of deja vu here right now. And I imagined that... Peter's mind has this flashback. If this were a movie, you'd have all these scenes flash up where Peter's pulling a coin out of the mouth of a fish and then Peter's taking some fish from a boy as they feed thousands of people on the edge of a lake. And then, um, and think, and then you know, all those other encounters that included fish and then all of a sudden back to that moment, which is the mirror of this one, where he first meets, ah, it's the Lord. Yeah, yeah. I love yeah. that. I love that idea yeah. that Jesus, it's almost like Jesus says, I'll make him remember. I'll make his yeah, day. Yeah. But you know, it's on the other side. You know, it's that memory thing. I just love that so, so much. So, 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 so much. And, and, it's, and it's, exactly, it, it's exactly what this narrative is supposed to be doing. This is, this is clearly an echo story. And, and wonderfully, it's an echo story that takes us back to the calling, the initial calling yes. of Peter in the Gospel of John. And here is what I think amounts to a recalling. Um, and and that, that echo of this happening under, in, this, in, a, in a repeated conversation actually should trigger in us the memory of the, the calling that initially came Peter's way. Now, Peter has let down Jesus 
on a, really a massive scale that has been emphasized within the text of the Gospel of John. And now we have this, this story that pulls our mind back or echoes back to the very original calling of Peter. Mm. And, and so it amounts to that echo helps us see this as a recalling of one. It, it's, a, it's a story of forgiveness. The call hasn't gone. Um, Peter, you might have let Jesus down, but the call is not gone, even if you think it, it's gone in your own heart. Um, Jesus is recalling here. And that, that echo that you identified there um, really does um, make that into a reality. It, it yeah. makes it something that there is evidence in the text that we are supposed to be thinking that way. We are supposed to hear this as a recall. So what's really not interesting in, about... Not a, not a taking back. But yeah. a recalling. So what's interesting yeah. about these two stories then, both from Acts and from the end of John's Gospel, there's this theme of, of calling slash recalling. You have Peter being called slash recalled to the mission that Jesus had set him on on that day by the sea. You have Saul being called to literally repent, metanoia, turn around and go back in the other direction. And you have Ananias yeah. being called to step in faith into this uh, mission that Jesus is giving him to make that connection with, um, with Saul and to be his ally as he walks in. Um, it's, it's an incredible placement to do this during the Easter season. Um, but then yeah. not really when you think, it well, incredible in the sense that one of the things that we do at Easter um, in a lot of churches is as we affirm our baptismal vows. Um, so yes. during the Easter service, there's this reaffirming of the vows that are made at our baptism. And we do this as a Christian community together in our churches uh, every single year. And so to have this story as part of this Easter season, which is part of which is a reminder to live into those baptismal vows that we turn to Christ um, that we, um, uh, you know, move away from evil and we um, repent of what we've done and we move forward, as in turn away from our old ways and step into these new ways of that Jesus reveals to us. That's exactly what's happening here. Peter's screwed up, but Jesus is saying, remember, there's a new way of doing things. Now step into that. Do you love me? Um, Saul, you've been throwing rocks at people and, you know, persecuting me or persecuting them because of me now turn around think about doing things my way which is a way of love Ananias you say that you have turned around well now's a chance for you to put that into action we need someone to love Saul um, so there's this beautiful yeah. repentance yeah. this metanoia this turning around and going in the other direction that's happening in all yeah. three of the stories which Brings yeah. us to the psalm, which uh, I, I literally read when I was reflecting on these things. I read the gospel first. I read the Acts reading next. And then, of course, uh, in the format that I'm reading it, the psalm was immediately below that. And I just laughed. I just started reading the words and I laughed. Let me just start reading them. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and not let my foes rejoice over me. 
Uh, Lord, my God, I cried for your help. You've healed me. You brought me out from Sheol, restored me to life from among those who have gone down to the pit. For those of you who don't know, Sheol is this uh, Hebrew word for the place of the dead. Um, it's not hell, um, as some people have tried to interpret as. It's, it's simply a, uh, the way Hebrews understood what happens when you die, you simply reside in Sheol. Um, but you've restored me from Sheol. Um, sing praises to the Lord, you faithful ones. Give thanks to his holy name. Uh, for his anger is but for a moment. His favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may linger for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I mean, um, you have Peter literally going out and fishing all night. And in the morning, joy comes, including breakfast. And when joy cooks your breakfast, it's even better. And then you have Saul, whose eyes are darkened. And of course, yeah. the morning, the, the first light comes and joy comes. And, and same for Ananias, who would have been feeling like he was in a bit of darkness here. And I don't mean that by darkness being evil. I mean, darkness as in being left in the dark, wondering, am I going to be smashed to oblivion by this guy who's been persecuting people? And yet he goes and he has this encounter through of God through sharing that with Saul and the lights all come on. Um, so the psalm is really a song that sings of this action that's happening and taking place in and through us as we are literally brought to life again with this um, message of Jesus that yeah. we are called or recalled. Um, yeah. And there's nothing yeah. we can do um, mm. to push that away. Nothing. Yeah. And yeah. you know what? And look, I know this is skipping back to last week, but what's really stuck with me last week, and you said <laughs> said this, and this and this applies to this too, is that um, you have uh, this Jesus who says it's done, and all that requires, mm. well, nothing. You've already got it, but if you really want to enjoy it, believe it. <laughs> um, and it's literally <laughs> yeah. what's happening here in all three yeah. of these lives, one who was a close yeah. friend who followed him for years, one who was an enemy who became an ally, and one who was a follower who was challenged to go deeper in their following. Um, yeah. yeah. And and Jesus simply says to each one of them, it's already yours. Just fall into it. And each one in these three stories... Like um, said that yeah. yeah okay i'll give it a go yeah and the rest like is, is history yeah there's a certain um there's a certain unpolishedness to these stories to me as well that um you know saul goes on to become the apostle paul who writes um more of the books of the new testament than anyone else um peter is is really a very very significant leader in the new testament as well and here we have um, two stories of their failings, really, um, <laughs> which is which I, I think is it should be tremendously encouraging to us. Yes, um, to think that that um, even the early church is led by people who were really just learning to follow Jesus. Mm. And they may have learnt wonderfully, wonderfully well, 
but that didn't mean it started even for Ananias um, with the extent of God's grace being obvious. They probably all, all of them, I, well, I think all three of these um, are surprised by these encounters, but not only call them to do something for others, but also call them further into um, the love and grace of God. And, and, and I, I think that should be tremendously encouraging for us to think that even people who took this faith to such an extent and lived it so well actually had, it, it, actually it was a miracle that they, um, it, it was a miracle that put them on this road. Yeah. Um, and I think that's I think that's always worth reminding ourselves of that it's only the grace of God that puts us on this road to discovering grace. Um, even when we might look at people who are a lot further down the path, so to speak, than we might be, um, who look like they probably always were there, um, but. Our story tells us that the Apostle Paul wasn't always there, that Peter wasn't always there, and that even someone tremendously respected like Ananias um, still had to find the courage of faith to take a step further into what the mission of God looked like, not only for him, but also for the early church. Yeah. It's, it's interesting you should say that, you know, stories, particularly about Peter, um, you know, walking on the water comes to mind. We have this image in our heads that Jesus says, sure, come out on the water. And Pete goes, okay. And, you know, big grin jumps over the side. I don't know if I see that. Sure. What I see is a guy who's an experienced fisherman who knows what the sea does and doesn't do in terms of supporting the weight of a human being. Um, and I see him saying, yes, okay, Lord, I'll step over the side of the boat. But I don't think he leapt over the side and dropped himself down. I think there was a really timid and it took great courage for him to step over and even push the, push the yeah. pinky toe down onto the water um, to, to test yeah. the thing. And even, even when that first foot held took the second step with just as much trepidation going something's wrong here I've you know settled on something and um, there's something just below the surface of the water something mm. this can't be real so at the end of the day you know that, that that's such an important point for us to remember and I don't think it was just the beginning I think it was all the way through I don't think there was ever a moment when it necessarily got super easy I mean you and you see this in in Paul's letters he's still fearful of going places he's still going am i going the right way am i not going the right way um i i think this is the way god said to go but i could be wrong so all the way through their ministries yeah. they're still struggling with this listening moving acting on the things that they see coming before them believing that that's what god's called them to do or jesus has called them to do and lest we think that you know we aren't like them I think it's more a case of they are like us and we mustn't let mm. that go. 
And that's yeah. not to pull them down at all. I think it's simply to know the reality of what it means to be human. And I think this is true of Jesus too. Yeah. I mean, with, with no apology, I say that Jesus did not, without fear, sit in the Garden of Gethsemane and pray. Jesus did not, without fear, lay his hands or get his hands pushed down onto a cross. Um, I, these images, you know, these mm. ideas he had, you know, how much did Jesus love you? He just held his arms up. Um, are you serious? Come on, man. The human body recoils <laughs> naturally in pain. Um, you don't mm. even have to think it and the body will react. And I have no doubt that there were moments when the Romans had to really force his arm to sit there still so they could get the nail into it. Um, and it wasn't that Jesus was trying to, um, you know, this is about um, the reality of what it meant for the humanity of Jesus to be prevalent and real, um, to, to identify fully, as the scripture tells us, with what with what who with who we are and so we could identify with jesus because he experienced truly what we experienced so i don't think jesus just sort of laid there and said yeah whack it in guys um i think there was exactly how we would have felt in that moment um and, and these stories just in, encourage us with that unless we forget um that that's what it's you know yeah that that's the deal um Again, some powerfully deep stories there. And if you want to share some more of your thoughts with us, please do that in all the places. All the links are below in the link tree, the links to the articles at the Barefoot Follower website and uh, the links to the Instagram pages and the other work that Mark and I do. And uh, I give um, a big shout out to the squeaks that you heard, which were created by my 16-week-old puppy who's now growling as he pulls the arm and which is why you can see this arm jerking up to the side thank you for tolerating that a couple of times through the um uh there you go a couple of times through the podcast uh, today um but uh mark is there anything else you want to throw in before we wrap it up highly sure what was going on <laughs> guessing there what, what was actually happening <laughs> yeah um but, but as always, folks, thank you so much for um, humouring us and sharing in our conversations with us and being a fly on the wall. Um, but please don't just be a fly. Come down and join us at the table. Um, share your comments at the, yeah. the articles, the DMs, the YouTube comments. Um, please um, be a part of what's going on here. And we're hoping that uh, in time, um, this little community will grow and we'll, we'll be able to find a space where we can share thoughts and ideas with with lots of people, um, not necessarily even those who are mm. preparing to preach it on Sunday, but those who are just simply trying to make sense of them each week um, as you sit in the congregations, wherever you happen to be. Well, there we go. Sunday, uh, Easter, yeah, Sunday, Easter, the third Sunday of Easter. That's it. Well, there you go. Plenty <laughs> for us to think about between now and next week. Plenty indeed. Uh, and please make sure you join us again next week for another Between Two Sundays as we live out of these interesting readings of Easter 3 and into Easter 4. And until then, mate, have a good week. Yeah, you too. Bless you heaps. And um, folks, we'll <laughs> catch you next week. See you later. See if you can get that dog under control. <laughs> He's still going here. <laughs> Bye for now. See ya.